This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to another episode of Best Fishing for Noobs here on the Panel and Fin Podcast. Uh, I'm one of the hosts of the Noob Show, Sean Lavery. Uh, my co-host Susie is uh, still traveling at the moment, and uh, she might jump in later if she can, but uh, otherwise uh, we wish her a good uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, she will be back next week. Uh, but I wanted to, you know, hop on and uh, get something recorded for tomorrow. And um, my guest tonight was uh, gracious enough to accept my invitation on relatively short notice. Um he uh, has been on the new show before, but it's been a while. Uh, he was back. Uh, he, he was on the show back when it was um, uh, Ryan and I doing the show. So that gives you a little bit of a clue how, how long ago it was. Uh, it's been a little bit of uh, like a uh, little bit of time since he's been on, but I've been uh, following him along with him on his social media. And uh, I, I could see that he's still actively fishing despite uh, how cold the weather it gets uh, and, and being successful. So I wanted to, I reached out to him and asked if he could come on and share some of his, uh, his uh, wintertime or cold water techniques and, and tips with us. And he was gracious enough to accept. So I wanted to take a second and welcome back, Mr. Jim Ware to the news show. Welcome back, sir. Hey man. Great to be here. No problem. Thanks again for coming on. So I know yeah, you mentioned you had a tournament yesterday. How'd that go? Not not too good. Yeah. Not too good. Uh, yeah, I had a 
had a decent practice and then uh yesterday it, it the weather changed and it was just it poured down rain probably three quarters of the time i ended up with four fish um is on lake seminole it was a tennis uh georgia bass nation and we have a grassroots club in, in the state called peach state kayak anglers and okay. uh so it was a combined tournament for them. Had sixty-eight, I think, signed up. So it was a pretty, pretty good uh, turnout. I was going to say but, that's uh, a pretty good showing for February. Yeah, yeah, sure was. But um, man, uh, the I think the top ten there was, or maybe the top seven, all in the ninety, ninety plus inches. Um, Wow, uh, Josh uh, Josh counts. He's from down in that area. He won it with ninety nine inches. Holy cow! I was punching, and uh, yesterday uh, on practice, I had some really good bites. An area I went back to to punch, I, I pulled thirteen inches out. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't know where the big one went up to ninety nine inches. Unfortunately, yeah, no, no. But <laughs> I, I had fun, and it was you know. It was, it was fine. What, what was, well, yeah, exactly any day. Um, what was your water temperatures like? Uh, it was 56, uh, where I was at, um, Lake Seminole's a, um, unique lake. It's got two river arms feeding it, the Flint and the Chattahoochee. Both of those were probably around the same water temp. And I was on the hooch side with the, um, you know, mid fifties water temp. And then in the middle of the, you know, the center of the Y where the, uh, the Flint comes in and the, and the hooch, you have Spring Creek. Well, all those, all that water is fed by, well, by springs and the water's generally clearer and warmer in that central center area. Okay. And there, it was in the sixties, I understood from other guys, wow. but, um, I don't think it was one in that warmer water. I think okay. it was in one of the river arms. Interesting. Well, uh, I know uh, you have been having some luck lately, um, despite, uh, and what's, I mean, how cold is it there? When I, when I say cold, it's always relative. Like our water temperatures here uh, in Pennsylvania are, you know, high thirties, maybe, you know, okay. uh, we're going to have a few warmer days next week where it'll, it's going to get up in the sixties. So I'm hoping we're going to break the 40 degree mark, but it's, it's going to take a couple warm days in a row to get us up above that. Right. Um, so about 46, 44 um, around here where I was fishing at. It's the lowest I've seen it. Um, now, we, we did have a really cold spell. And um, unfortunately, I, I was working during that time. So I, I couldn't even fish. But buddies of mine said it got into high 30s uh, where, where we fish at. Um, but, you know, this wintertime fishing in the south, it's 50 degrees. It seems like 50 when the water hit temp after turnover, the lakes, lakes turn over and the water temp hits 50 degrees. That's the magic, um, temp. That's when they, when they start getting active again and settle and, in. And, and that's when I, um, I took the second week of December off for vacation just because of that. But okay. Historically, that's been the, the prime time. Gotcha. Okay. And, um, for the folks who don't know what turnover means, um, can you just explain that a yeah. little bit and how you know when that happens? Right. Um, so 
in, in down here in the south, I'm sure they do up north, but um, the, the lake stratified in the summertime, and and uh, so you've got uh, photosynthesis, and um, so the sunlight can only reach down so far. So as and there's not going to be any oxygen lower than that. Well, that the water the water down here is generally um, it, it just told me my earbuds are about to go out so but anyway so summertime say the top 20 20 feet of the water is uh, about the stratus the stratic line is at 20 feet you've got once it starts cooling cool waters cold waters uh, heavier than warm so it starts cooling off and it's heavier and it starts falling and it pushes this muck water from down below with no oxygen it pushes it and, and it mixes well i say the fish get a headache when all that's going on because it's hard really really tough when when the lake is turning over and you can even see the water water will uh, change color and it'll look kind of funky on top you know it'll have a, a muck uh, look to it at least where i fish the lakes i fish mm-hmm and then um, once it cools off, it's in the 50s. The um, the water clears up because you know the algae can't bloom in this colder water. And the water gets clear, and sunlight can reach down to 40 feet. And once the uh, you know there, there we go. It's that's that's my unscientific way to describe. <laughs> no, I think that's perfect. Turnover. No, that makes a lot of sense. And and um, so after that turnover happens, then, you know, that's when the fishing kind of turns on again. Yeah, it's uh, and and I'm not sure. So in wintertime, it's it's all about the bait. And if you know what the bait is, is uh, doing and um, uh, thread fin shads, basically what we have. And there's some, you know, gizzard shad and gizzard tend to go a lot deeper. But uh, thread fins, the uh, major forage fish around here well they'll uh they'll just gang up in, in schools and uh like one of the lakes i fish on doesn't have any um doesn't have a feeder creek per se so they gang up over these the deepest holes in the lake which is about 40 feet and uh well the bass just, they know that and and they they go to those deep holes in, in some of these Highland Reservoir lakes um, in North Georgia, they'll uh, the shad will run up in, into these creek arms and gang up, and and the fish know that and they'll follow them. So just knowing what the bait generally does, and you know when it gets cold, can help you in big ways because um, right. they're not gonna they're not gonna be um, where the bait's not. Right. So you're gonna you really gotta find the bait first and then that'll help yeah. you find the bass. You're yeah. not going to just kind of stumble upon bass spread out and just kind of fan casting or then. Right. Not, and, and not in these, like th- these bass will school up in some major schools and um, yeah, they're not going to be schooled up when the bait's not around. I haven't seen it. Now they may be, you know, they might try, I don't know what they do between, you know, when they're suspended during turnover, because that's generally what they do. They'll suspend and, and they're really, really hard to catch. 
you know, once they uh, group back up and you, you may see them in a, in a void area. I don't know. I, uh, but yeah. You I might pick one off them. here and there, but yeah. 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 So, but, um, and, and, and they're not always on the bait. Now I've, I've found like a giant school of shad and, and there's no fish around it, but I'll start circling around and, you know, searching and side imaging is huge in, in this. And, uh, you know, it may be 50, 75 yards away and then bingo, there they are. Um, sometimes they're, you know, they're just sitting down on the bottom. They're not active and, and, and a spoon is going to help you, um, cause it's a reaction bait, reaction bite when they hit it and, uh, throw that spoon out, let it sink to the bottom and just rip it through the school. Sometimes it takes six, eight, 10 cast, you know, to, uh, to, uh, get it, get one to go after it. Once, once one goes for the bait, it seems like all of them, like, no, you're not going to get that. I'm getting it. <laughs> so, so yeah. basically, uh, and I know you sent me some examples of, um, what to kind of look for on your, uh, side imaging and stuff. Um, basically you're finding the bait and then, uh, you back off from that spot, turn on your, find your side oh, imaging oh, and then oh, that, yeah, they just went to I hear you. Yeah. I can still pick you up some though. Okay. Good. There we go. Yep. It just kind of picked them up again. So I can hear you. All right. Good. But, um, but yeah, so, um, I'll, I'll, we'll put this up on the screen and you can kind of talk me through, uh, kind of what, what we're looking at here. Um, okay. let me go ahead and share this. So that was the first picture you sent me, which is a heck of a nice bass. And, um, is there any, uh, story behind that guy? Yeah, there is. Um, so small mouth, obviously, um, that's, that's on Del Hollow and that's in, in the middle of December, I think around the uh, 19th of December. Um, the water temp up there was like 42 when, when that day, uh, they were, those fish, I, and I don't, I wouldn't say I know Del Hollow, but I know that spot, and I know this one area, and it's on the, it's a, about a four-hour drive from here, and that's the southernmost part of it, Close, closest drive for me. There's a roadbed between, probably right under me in that pit, and there's an old building foundation. Well, if you look at the maps of Del Hollow, there is roadbeds everywhere. And there's several towns that are actually underwater. Wow. And, and they scuba dive up there. Um, it's, it's a popular scuba diving area. But anyway, this this rope bass love hard bottom and uh, and structure. And there's a lot of uh, this these building foundations. There's about three on that roadbed, and and they just they they were, they were ganged up there. So this fish, I was. I caught everyone. I, I had 90, 94 inches, I believe, for my five biggest that day. And um, that's, that's a wobblehead jig. And I don't have, I thought I brought one in, but I don't. That's, that's, that's a, a Picasso Fantasy Swinger, three quarter ounce, with a uh, rage bug on it. And I was, and that is the easiest bait to use for, um, like, 
around rock, it seems like that crawl, crawl base, um, you know, when there's a lot of rock uh, structure, that works well. All I was doing is just bomb casting out past the uh, the school of fish that I found. You know, they were sitting just on the deep side of the uh, the uh, roadbed, which the roadbed comes up and over a submerged point, and they were on the point, just you know, still on that point, but on the deep side of the roadbed. Okay. And you just reel that thing slow and maintain bottom contact with it. Keep it moving, and when they hit, you just you lose. Um, you'll 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 feel like it's uh, it's not touching anything. It'll just go light. Okay. And I speed up my reeling, and sure enough, your road lot your uh, rod loads up and lean into it. Awesome, awesome, but, and uh, then and so you're you're you knew where the roadbed was. Um, I, I imagine you had that marked. And so you just went to the roadbed, then found the school above the roadbed and then started casting to the school. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. it. And I would just circle around the, the school when they would kind of float, you know, they, that's how they, you know, they would, they would be on this side of it or that side. And they might be a little deeper and they might move a little closer. I also I was, caught one on a, uh, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply big one on, on a spy bait and I thought I brought one of those in but anyway it's a jackal alpha 98 I think is what it was okay um and and, and I saw those those fish had had come up off the bottom so I, I threw, threw that spy bait out there and caught them. But, uh, and then and that's actually uh, uh, one of the baits that I have had luck with now. And, and I say luck with, I've, I've caught two fish so far this year, but one right. of them was on a spy bait. So, um, you know, uh, I was, I was uh, using a blade bait on the bottom and I kept getting uh, pulling up grass, just almost every cast I'd have to, I'd be hopping it, hopping it. And then I'd, you know, lose my vibration. And so I'd reel it back in and have to clean grass and stuff off of it. Or, and um, I was like, man, I, I want to just stay just above that grass. So right. I was trying to think of what I had with me that I could uh, throw and then count down and kind of know I was close to the bottom, but above the grass. And I switched to the spy bait and uh, you know, I was using a duo realis uh, one uh, a spy bait. And that, um, yeah, it's, it's, you're right. It, it's not a jackal, it's a duo. Alpha. Okay. Not, not yet. Okay. Yep. I was going to say, I thought so, but um, and uh man, that really helped me stay out of the grass. And I think I credit that with helping me catch that fish because, you know, I, the blade bait I had heard was working well, but I just couldn't find a spot that didn't have, that I would, wasn't, uh, you know, having to clean off constantly. Right. So. And, and in that picture, you can, that, that particular day, it was almost dead calm. Uh, hardly any chop on the water and that, that wobblehead jig and a football jig would have worked also, but, um, I really, really like. Uh, seems like I had a better hook set, hook up ratio with a with a swing head jig. But uh, 
and it it's not creating a lot of commotion and with with the water dead calm like that I, I, in my experience that bait just crawling slowly across the bottom um, draws bites and then when they lift it up off the you know and I saw them out there had to come up off the bottom it seems like a spy bait works well instead of a uh, you know, uh, rattling lipless or, you know, or a crankbait with a lot of wobble to it. Um, that spy bait just been almost finessey, you know, swims mm-hmm. through the water. Yep. And even that jig being three-quarter ounce, that's still a, a finesse type bait because it's, it's not uh, noisy or I was going to ask you, I had heard you say three quarters. Is that more just to maintain bottom contact or yeah. is, is that why you're so heavy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if, if I were, I go, uh, and I'll do one, like, okay, one ounce, I would do, say, if I was 30, 35 feet deep, it's easier to maintain bottom contact. Plus, I can cast it a lot further in the, in the, in the angle you'll have. Um, if you're say 35 feet deep of water, you know, the further out you cast it, the, the less of an angle on your line for the rod to the, to the, to the, uh, uh, that that makes a lot of sense. Right. Right. That's what's always throws me off with a drop shot when I'm casting it, because, you know, you think that you have, you know, your, your drop shot to your, weight is you know a foot but when you cast it out at an angle that foot gets drastically yeah. reduced yeah and and it you know the further out you because you're going to back off because the target is here at, at 40 foot deep well you, you can't fit you can't be 40 feet away from it and fish it effectively you you get 70 feet then then you can get get that really good drag you know drag through the, the school before it starts you know you you're almost sitting right on top of it and, and, right and the bait right. doesn't do right then it does a lot better at with a with less of an angle uh, on the, or more of an angle excuse me on but so 30 35 35 40 feet i'm going or 30 to say 40 i'll do a one ounce 30 to 20 18 maybe Three quarter ounce, and then once I get that's a half ounce, uh, and and that's normally in springtime they start you know start moving up and you'll catch them. Uh, uh, I'll do a half ounce when it's ten feet deep. I don't normally go less than a half ounce with that wobblehead jig. Okay. Um, but that. I, and what kind of what kind of rod are you throwing that on? Like a jig rod. Yeah, a seven. Um, the the one ounce and a three quarter. I'll throw a, a, it's a seven six as a G Loomis, a heavy action, uh, twenty pound test. Oh, pretty much always. And up there at Del Hollow, it's really clear water. And I had twenty pound test on that. Uh, we're gonna we're heading to Dale Hollow. Uh, I think the the twenty second and twenty third of April. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting back there to fish. Right, I I, I love that lake. <laughs> I really really love it. Uh, 
it's beautiful. Uh, it is. It, it looks to me, you know, it doesn't look like a man-made reservoir. It looks like it should be natural. Kind of like a western lake. It's got those rock sandstone bluffs. And, yep. And, and, and But, yeah. I um, but, yeah, the, the line weight, you know, I, I know there's a time and a place for four pound test or six pound test but like i said it was dead calm it was i probably could have caught them definitely caught them with a drop shot you know with a six pound test mm -hmm. leader and, and super finesse but they, they were eating it with a 20 pound yeah if they're eating it I, why change it up uh, right now with your spy bait i i would guess you'd go considerably lighter right yeah i i, I did. did i had a 10 10 pound uh, fluoro on that. And, and I, I actually bought a rod and reel specifically for the, and that spy bait I was throwing, they, that uh, duo makes one for a bait caster. And I think it's that 98. It's a, I, I swear I thought I brought it. I brought the, the thing. I did. It's right here. So it's the uh, spin bait 72 alpha is what it's called. And it's, so the um, the one let's see the seven, the, the ninety eight I believe is long and, and really thin. Mm -hmm. This is fat, um, a little heavier. Um, I think it's it's a half ounce. Okay, but you can throw this with a. Um, it's made for a bait caster. Gotcha. So I've got a 7.2 as a um, G. Loomis IMAX Pro, I believe. Crank okay. rod. The medium action. You got a moderate tip. And uh, I've got a Corrado 70. And I'll put 10 pound fluoro on it. And just to throw that bait, that's. Uh, and, and he can quit. I mean, you can throw that launch at a mile with it i actually i uh, lost uh one of my duo rail spy baits on an overpass i i uh, was casting and it went way farther than i thought and it ended up up on the overpass and oh, yeah. i'm hoping it didn't hit a car or anything but you know uh, <laughs> i won't mention the place just in case it did <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i've i've got spinning i've got two spinning rods i use one one for a drop shot and one for uh uh, uh small swim baits smaller swim bait and this is really sent i'm going to show you a bait here and uh, this is the uh mega bass okashira oh yeah i'm very familiar with that head okay that thing is money on these spot lakes down there, you know alabama spotted bass down here um and what do you have it paired up with on, there? On a spin rod with a, okay, and I'll use six pound test on the gotcha. Leader. And you know, I got like fifteen pound braid or ten. Yeah, that that that's really good. Um, Around those schools of bait, if you see the fish come up, in it, you know you can they'll eat that thing in a heartbeat. But, uh, are you uh, are you counting that down to get to a certain depth, or how are you judging your depth there? Yeah, I'll, uh, 
Um, I've got live scope, and I'll watch it. Uh, I got there, you. But before I got live scope, I would just count to say twelve, you know, or you know, and it's pretty light. They, they don't make this. I think uh, is it one eighth ounce is the heaviest head that they make of that. So it takes a, you know, it falls really slow. And I've, I've caught, I've had several, quite a few fish hit just on the fall because it'll kind of spin, you know, swim in a circle going down. And uh, next thing you know, it's, it's stopped moving. Your line stops moving. You're like, what the heck just happened? It's 30 feet deep out there. Start reeling. And you see it moving and there's a fish. Nice. I know that's generally how a tube falls. A tube, they always say, spirals like that. Right. And that's the action that makes a tube successful. So it makes sense that it would work for that as well. Yeah. But, uh, and, but anyway, would, yeah, that's, that, the, that's the, what was going on up there on Del Hall at that time. It was a roadbed and uh, a deal and it was a school smallmouth on it. And, and that jig was, was uh, was money, I think. Gotcha. The wobblehead. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to um, show some of these other uh, side imaging and and uh, um, uh, radar are the uh, uh, fish finder uh, screens that you had. And explain kind of what we're looking at. Okay. So, so I'll bring up this first one here, and so and this is side imaging, and you're yeah, looking at that's, that's side imaging. Now this, this cool fish right here, I, I was explaining a buddy of mine that just. Really got into kayak uh, uh, fishing. Bought him a he had bass boat fish, but he, he upgraded his electronics and and was fishing where on this lake close to the house. And I just sent that to him. So this is like twenty twenty five feet deep. The bait he he was telling me he had found a really big school bait, but he didn't catch any fish on it. And there was you know. He, and I said, just start doing circles like I'd said until you find, you know, the school. I said, they're out there. They're somewhere close to that bait. And I said, on your side imaging, when you see this, and, and that's, those are, I can I guarantee you those were bass because I caught them. But, um, yeah, those those uh, pieces of rice is what it looks like with a little shadow behind them and and uh the shadow being if if you were to blow that thing up uh, the shadow the closer the shadow is to the to the white speck the um, closer to the bottom they are and and those fish are laying right on the bottom no that so makes sense when when you see something like that um first you it can be other fish. Uh, I saw on Lake Kissimmee uh, two years ago. I was going across there, and it was like 12 feet deep, and I saw something that looked almost identical to that picture. And I thought, oh, Lord, it's going to be on. And I, I, I drug everything I had through it. The swim baits, uh, jigs, or whatever. I never got a bite. And I wasn't sure. I don't know what they were. They were fish because... They weren't there the next day, but, um, you know, tilapia or something, it, they, they weren't bad. But anyway, when, when I see that here, and, and I'm sure that they're bad, I'm, I'm going to throw a 
a spoon and uh, on them is one thing. And this is the spoon that I love to throw. Uh, it's a Dixie Jet. It's a three-inch, and it's three-quarter ounce. Dixie Jets, I think, are, are made in Missouri. Um, Tiger Warehouse has them, and then you order them straight from the website. But it, to me, it's got the perfect size-to-weight ratio. And there's a lot of, like, you know, there's a lot of smaller spoons. This is, this is a small spoon. But, you know, there'll be five-eighths or half-ounce. Well, it takes forever, it seems like, for those things to hit the bottom. And then this falls, gets down pretty quick, and then you, you can work it. And, and I mean, I've caught a lot of fish on this. Matter of fact, this one, I don't know if you can see, I'll get it right there. It's beat to crap, you know. it's <laughs> That it's, looks pretty chewed on, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, but um, so I'll throw uh, that spoon out there and, and rip it, see if I can't get a bite. And, uh, you know, if they bite, I'm going to leave the spoon on. Uh, but normally, the first thing I'll throw on school like that is it, you know, when they're 20, 25 feet deep, I'll throw that spoon. Because, and, and here's the deal there's a, there's a school, Chad, you know. 50 yards away or 75 yards away. That And I know that that's what those things are feeding on out there. I've thrown a jig on them. And the only way I can get bit with a jig is I put a swim bait body on the on of it. Um, on that wobble head. You can put a Kitek on there, say a, a 3.8 or whatever, or 4.2, whatever the next size up on a 3.8 is, and drag it. And, and you can catch fish doing that. But the it doesn't do the same thing that the spoon does. The spoon when they bite that spoon, it, they go into a feeding frenzy. You know, it, you fire this school up, you're not gonna fire them up with a jig. But that spoon, you're gonna fire those things up. And it's, if you've got a buddy with you, and you can keep a bait in the water, and uh, it just extends the fun. <laughs> But uh, I've heard of activating the school before, and I always yeah. I, I've never experienced it. Um, but uh, I've heard that you know once you get that them going, you know then and then I've also heard you know if you can keep them going, they'll hit darn near anything at that point. Yeah, so, yeah, and uh, and you'll pull, you know, you'll pull every fish off the body. There won't be any fish on the you know that that picture you just show. Once they start biting, they're you're not going to see that. You're just going to see like lines. Um, yeah, that's that's what it looks like. There'll be like white lines on your side imaging everywhere. Gotcha. Uh, or on the down imaging, same deal. But uh, and then on, uh, I don't have a picture of sonar, but it. I remember the first time I had a, um, I had bought an eagle depth finder. I don't even know if they make those. Lawrence made them. It was kind of off brand for a cheaper model. But I bought it just for, because this one had GPS, and, and uh, I thought I'd you know, get waypoints and you know use it for that. But it didn't have sighting; it had down image. And I came across it was in the winter time, and I came across some bait down there. And then all of a sudden, there's these. It looked like streaks just on top of streaks, and 
I was like, what? And I've heard people refer to them as noodles. You know, it looks like a pile of noodles. And uh, I dropped a little, little. Uh, it's called a flexit jig. It's a little painted white, like a slab jig, maybe a half ounce. You got a piece of prism tape on the side. Of it. Anyway, it's really popular on the on some of these mountain lakes in Georgia. And uh, I flipped it out there and dropped it in there and hit the bottom. You know, and I, it was spotted bass. And uh, I was like, ah, and it made sense then that you know when you're looking out, if they're moving, it's not gonna. Gonna look like a street, and, uh, right? So, so, you know, that was a huge schooling moment for me. Then I was like, oh, yeah. and, and every time I see it to this day, I know exactly what it is. And, and you know, wintertime fishing, lots of people hate it. Yeah, I was like, I can't kill it. But I'm not gonna say great electronics but good electronics and practice and there, there's several you know youtube videos and people talking about how to read electronics how to set them up what a bass looks like what and uh fish the moments one of them that i've watched and, and yes in my opinion he's i, I learned a lot from him just looking at watching that fish the moment he like where you're moving and and you see fish well they're not when you stop they're not still there how far back right. are they you know and, and right that really helped me that video where he kind of laid it out i think he put like a a milk crate behind his boat on the dry land yeah. and showed you know this is where that milk crate would be on the screen you know yep so being confident in what you're seeing on your electronics is fish is the number one key to for me for winter fishing because when I see a, a school like that, and like I said, it may take eight or ten casts. A lot of times, three casts and three or four casts with a lure, and you don't catch anything going. But I'm, I'm confident enough to know I'll sit there for. A long time, um, and, uh, and try to get them to bite. And a lot of times it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But, uh, but confidence in your electronics is is number one. How hard would you say it is to stay in the vicinity of the school? Like how how far and quickly do the schools move? Uh, you know, I, I would say. To basketball court, you know, they'll they'll float around, you know, 50, 75 yards one way or, uh, or another. They'll, you know, uh, I, I've never like not been able to find them. You know, once I find a school like it's not, you know, like, uh, they start biting and, and then they stop and say I move on to another area and check, go to a creek mouth or something like that and come back. I generally can find them again. Just okay. Take cover and some water, but they, they normally stay in a general area. I, I would. I never just walk. Uh, I, I 
like Tennessee River type, you know, that, that's, they, they may move a good bit more there. I don't know about up north, like Great Lakes or something like that. They may um, move a lot further. But, but uh, in these North Georgia mountain lakes uh, in a creek arm, there's only so they're not going to go 100 feet. They're not going to, they may, but if, if you're catching them on a point and 40, you know, 20 to 40 feet deep, well, there's, you know, six more points inside that creek arm. They're probably going to be somewhere on one of those points or in between them. And, you know, you, you can, you know, pull your map up and you say, okay, I'm going to start checking. I want to hit that 20 to 40 foot mark on each one of those points going down. And when I go in the troughs between the points where it drops to 70 or 80 feet deep or whatever, I'm going to be looking there too. You know, you may find them in there, but they're, they're going to be in general. Look at your map, see. Here's a, they're not on this point. Or so let's go check this next point out towards the lake. And they're probably going to be somewhere in a, in a lake. Now, now, are you, when you're searching for the bait balls, are you using down imaging to find the bait ball and then switch to side to find the, the bass around them? Or are you running side the whole time? Side, but I, and I'll have my screen split into three windows. Map on, on the uh, bottom left. I got my map. Bottom right is going to be down imaging, and then the entire top half is side, and um, I use side imaging, I, and that's and it's all I don't use sonar for ever. Okay, uh, I, I know a lot of buddies who they love you know, they use sonar. You can see your lure, you know, do the video game type stuff, but um, I don't I don't use it. I, I don't generally never use sonar. Okay. Well, let's uh, grab one more. Uh, oh, another one of these images. Maybe you can say, uh, explain what we're seeing here. Uh, let me do add this. There we go. So that looks just like another kind of school off to the right there. Yeah, there's some structure to the on the left hand side. Uh, you can see that it's rock. What it is. Okay. And uh, and, and I had switched. You know, went too straight side imaging just to get a better picture of it. Uh, down imaging, there, there's fish. There was, there was fish I could see sitting on the bottom uh, on my down imaging. But uh, yeah, that's that's a similar school as to what the picture you showed earlier of the one prior to this. Um, yeah, they're just out from that rock laying there, and bass aren't going to be. Okay, and this one... That's a brim bait. Um, oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, this is November. And, and brim generally don't bed in November. At least here. They don't. Um, but when you when you see, like, on your side imaging, it looks like, you know, the cover of a golf ball, those divots. Um, that, that's key... Oh, okay. So a brim bed is going to be the cleanest area on the bottom in that area. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, the brim bed, they've cleaned it out and, and bass love it. 
it's it's like a a little oasis, and you know, if you got muck on the bottom here and there, that's why they love road beds. It's it's cleaner than what's off to the side, north, at hard bottom. Mm -hmm. And uh, every one of those shell those shell cracker beds, they're big. That's a bass sitting inside one of those. That's it. Like you follow two years ago at the POC. And I was catching them on drop shot. Now they wasn't big enough to win the TOC, but uh, it was it was fun. I, I dragged that drop shot. I cast the drop shot out and had a flat worm on it, and just drag it. And once you you, you feel it when you get in those rim beds, you know you you actually feel your weight go down. And drop down a little bit, yeah, a little bit. But um, yeah, rim, I love. I find it a brim bed like that too. And, and that was in like 12 foot of water. You know, shell crackers generally bed deeper than a than a bluegill. Okay. So you find a shell cracker bed, uh, you know, and uh, before they go deep, you know, to, you know it, it can be key. It can be a, a, a really good area. Now, I know uh, some of the lakes that I fish on up in uh, northern PA that are pretty clear. Um, and, and somewhat shallow, um, I've seen the brim bed, you know, if it's shallow, you can spot them from a mile away. Yeah. Cause it just, it, like you said, you can just see the lighter spots. It just circles of light spots as far as if you find a pretty good size of them or clump of them. And yeah, I can imagine bass. Yeah. Uh, it's those lakes are the same way. If you were drag something on the bottom, you're going to get muck, muck, muck. But then if you can drop it into yeah. one of those spots, it's going to be clean. Like you said, they really yeah. do clean it up yeah. and, and even in the sun you know in the, when they do start bed in the brim they're on that's a great you know chatterbait or a crankbait square bill across it yeah. or dragging a worm and numerous lures that work great on active brim beds but uh um, you know that's that's another key to it but but with the winter fishing i that, that was just I wanted to put that picture on there just to show that electronics. Yeah. If anybody and, who's you know just getting into fishing or you know upgrading electronics, I've been clueless. You know when you like I got this unit that got all these features and I don't know what the crap I'm seeing. But when you see something look like surface of, of a golf ball, you know. Bed. And if you see those white specks in it, that's it. That's fish, and it could be brim, but those are bass. That's cool. That's definitely uh, and and it makes sense that in the winter time when the brim aren't using them, if they're it's a clear spot, the bass yeah. are going to love it because they, like you said, they relate to that hard bottom. Like it's the same thing, you know, when you're thinking about a road bed, it's it's that hard bottom that they're relating to there. So. Right. Right. And then, and like and, 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 and along a road bed, there's you know rock and piles of rock, and, uh, culverts and all of you know. So there's going to be dead areas of a road bed, and in general, when you start seeing other structure features, uh, whether it just be six or eight rocks off to one side, you know that's I've seen fish, you know. That's the best they got. So 
they hang out there. You know, right. that's, uh, I forget who I was just I was just watching a video somewhere where they, you know, had like a an Olympic sized swimming pool and um you know they didn't put anything in there so it was just empty and then they put bass in there and the bass were all spread out but then they took like you know like you said two or three boulder or basketball sized boulders put them in that swimming pool and, and every bass there went to those yep. boulders you know so yep. you know they if, it's, if uh, you know it, it's just knowing the habits of what just just like deer hunting you know you can sit on a a clear cut and have a rifle and reach out to 300 yards, you know, and yeah, you can kill deer. But the, everybody I know that's really successful deer hunting, they know exactly what they're doing at this time of the year. They know where they feed at. They know where they bed at. They know saddles. And it's just like read maps for fishing. When you have a point that, you know, it, Papers down, and it maybe yeah. has a, a saddle that goes to a to a hump out on the end. They generally like areas like that, you know, that, right. that little saddle. And, and knowing, you know, knowing what they're doing at different times of the year is key to being successful. Um, it takes a lot of, it takes most of the luck out of it when you know that that stuff right because at that point you're not just shooting blank and hoping to stumble across yeah. them you're actually yeah. patterning them and, and you know you're eliminating water really is what you're doing you know exactly that, yeah, that, that you're not going to waste your time fishing places where they aren't you know exactly and that's that's uh, uh that's key. you know i've had went to a tournament and had you know four days of practice not doing, you know, for three days, you're like, I've only caught four fish or six, you know, I've definitely not caught anything that's going to win it, but I have rolled out so much, and, you know, that's, and then the last day, you know, you, you use your head, you put all that together, but not in this area, not, not, there, there's somewhere you haven't been, and, and this sounds statement but if you can put all that together what they're not or the places they're not at and look at a map and, and know what you're looking at you figure out what i haven't checked freak maps or i haven't checked um uh, anyway you you can rule out a lot of stuff and, and know what to check next you know that's um you know, that, that's what makes you successful is uh, putting all that that puzzle together and right. putting the pieces of the puzzle that aren't working to the side for you know and you know going after the the uh, other places. Gotcha, gotcha. So. Um... I guess uh, I was going to ask you of any other baits. Um, we we talked about the the fantasy swinger, so the the wobblehead. We talked about the spy bait. We talked about the okashira. You said I think the the um, the spoon you were talking about. Did you did you say it was the Dixie Jet? Yeah, Dixie, Dixie Jet. It's a like I said, three inch, uh, three quarter ounce, 
and this I don't know why if it matters, but it's a brass. It's made out of brass. Uh, but this one's got the I think it's called crack glass is the uh, pattern. It's like a prism. Uh, that's my favorite. One. Okay, and, and I know, it, you know I... they have a they have a gold one, they have a chrome one, uh, they have painted colors, but that that crack glass seems. And I'll put a feather, um, you know, hook on it sometimes, and sometimes a, a little stinger hook on the head of it. But that, on, a, on a spoon that size, a stinger hook generally uh, um, becomes a giant butt. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll get wrapped up on your line. But, uh, but I, I, a three-inch, and I'll go up to a five-inch. Okay. Reason being, anything. In my experience, anything over a five inch in a kayak has too much pull, and, and it ends up pulling me. To, you know, it pulls me off my spot towards where I'm casting, and uh, uh, so the three to five inch has less torque when you're working it. No, no, and catches, I, I know catches plenty of fish and uh, big fish, but let a whole lot of work. I was going to mention, and uh, for any folks who want uh, a more in-depth on working a spoon, I think when we first had you on, that was a majority of what we talked about. Yeah. Uh, I think we kind of dedicated that whole episode to to spoons. So if you uh, want more information on fishing a spoon, go uh, dig back in the archives and find uh, our first episode with Jim. If you just Google uh, Bass Fishing for Noobs on YouTube and and do Bass Fishing for Noobs, Jim Ware, you'll find the original episode that we did with Jim and where we talked in, in depth about uh, spoons and how to work them and, and that kind of thing and how to, right. you know, you know, the other options. So, yeah. so and, and this is the last bait I was going to talk about. Uh, so they, it seems like these fish have gotten a little educated on, on the lake I fish. <laughs> Now we I caught some fish on a spoon this year, but nothing like the past probably three or four years out there. And uh, so th this is a Tasso mate, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, scrounger heads, but this is Tasso's and it's a Sujin, um, is what they call it. Aaron Martin designed it, but uh, three quarter ounce. Let me get it right here. Okay. And it's got a uh, short F field, I think. But it's got the six alt hook. And what I'm using for the bait is a uh, producer swim bait, which is made here in Georgia. Uh, I forget the name of the town he's in. It's in North Georgia. But it's a it's, let me see what it's called. It's called a pintail shad. I was just going to say, it, it almost looks like a fluke kind of style bait. Yeah, it's a... Uh, and it's... This thing's six and a quarter inches. Okay. And I'm going to tell you, when, when, when you pull this thing through the water and it's... It has this wobble on it. And you can fit... I'll throw this on a... Uh, on my, Alabama rig rod, which is another great winter lure. Uh, 
you throw an A rig down here, but I threw an A rig this year. I caught five to one with throwing this thing. Really? Wow. Okay. Same deal. Seeing a school fish like that, or uh, even caught. It's been three quarter rounds. So I let it sink all the way to the bottom. And it, that bill on this uh, sujin gives the bait so much thump. You you can you know it's like thump, thump. you can feel it in your real hand. You know, uh, and I'm just crawling it. I'm assuming six or eight inches off the bottom, and it's doing this coming through. And, uh, and it's an awesome bite because when they hit, it's just like they, it's like something just grabbed it and held on to it. And you reel down, and, and that, and a rig rod has a, 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 it's like seven, ten is the length on it, but it's got a nice tip. It's, it's a heavy action rod, but it's got a nice tip, and it'll just load up. If you lean into it. I've got some videos on, um, I run a GoPro, uh, on, uh, I've got a, a fish now out of a blue sky. Uh, I thought that looked like a blue sky in that, that yeah. picture with the fish. So I'm getting old, gonna... man. So <laughs> that uh, that elevated seat, and I've got the uh, XI3 on it with a 10 point GPS, and it just. I, I thought, thought if I'm gonna fish motorized tournaments, um, why not? You know that's. Like being on the deck of a bass boat, but yeah. uh, but anyway, that scrounger I caught a lot of big fish this year, and hardly anybody throws it around here. I was just gonna say that I was gonna say uh, I would think that would be something that's probably not as popular. I mean, I've heard of people throwing it, but definitely not nothing like I probably see a ton of a rigs, and like you said, uh, spoons probably they're getting used to, but that's probably yeah. not something they see a ton of. Yeah, and, and those scroungers are popular on, you know, ledge fishing on Tennessee rivers in, in the summertime. There was a, uh, some big tournaments going on, and, and I forget that, uh, I forget that bait that they, that became super popular with a scrounger. Uh, Lord, I can't even, I can't think of it. Uh, Jerky J. Okay. <laughs> So that was that was the uh, you know people and a lot of that's everybody I know that throws a scrounger puts a jerky J on it and a jerky J works. But I'll tell you this this doggone uh, pintail shad it's just it it's got the look and um, enough uh, movement to it. Um, it works great. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'll throw a three quarter ounce. You know, down to say 25 feet. Nah, I'll let it sink all the way to the bottom and just pull it right off the bottom. But also, that bill is big enough that you can pull it for suspended fish because I caught quite a few fish this year after I would uh, see the bait ball and fish in it. And I just throw it out past the bait ball. And as soon as it hit the water, start swimming it. And, and, it would sink down and you know come through at say 12 feet, 12, 15 feet. And I caught fish doing that too. But, gotcha. Um, okay. And I would throw a half ounce 
scrounge your head for, you know, say for if I was fishing, the bottom was 15 feet. Oh, I'd probably put a half ounce on that. But gotcha. Same, same bait, same, same setup. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I'm throwing that a rig rod. I, I, I had 20 pound time on it, but I've got 17. Throwing this thing, I put 17 on it. I, I and, can keep it deeper, and that's heavy enough line. Uh, mostly and straight fluoro. Yeah, for the most, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Yeah, the twenty pound. I can keep it on the bottom, but it, it won't it rise up off the bottom. That heavier line. But seventeen, I don't have any. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So. Well, that definitely gives folks uh, quite a few options to to maybe give it a try uh, in the in this colder water. Um, cause I know you're right. A lot of people do, um, shy away from it. Uh, but, uh, you know, from what I've heard and just the few fish that I have caught, they have been quality fish. So I think, you yeah. know, you, you do tend to find, uh, nicer fish in the wintertime now, like up here, I, I have, you know, I just don't see many people out on the water. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, they think that I'm one of the, the cr few crazy people. Now I do see more bass boats, but kayakers, I, I haven't seen a kayaker on the water yet with, uh, aside from the buddy that I went out with yet this year, everybody, I've seen quite a few bass boats, but no, no kayakers. Now, you know, up here, you know, we have to, you know, I wear a dry suit nine times out of 10, and, uh -huh. you know, just cause it's, you know, the water temperature is pretty cold and if you fall in, it could be a bad deal. So, um, I don't know if that drives people away, but, you know, I, I, I like to encourage, you know, the folks that I know that do have them. I was like, if you can get out safely, do it, you know, because, you know, there it, there is a chance to catch really nice bass. So. Right. It, yeah. It, it seems like all the big fish school up together, at least down yeah. here, you know, we can yeah. school of fish. Uh, it's not a book where I fish at. It's not. I like, even at Del Hollow. It was a, there was a school, and they were all 18 to, I think my biggest one was 20 and a half, you know, it was like a bird of a feather flock together, you know, all of them was about the same size. Yeah. Uh, and you're talking about not seeing anybody on the water. Uh, that week I took off in December, uh, I went, I, I did uh, Del Hollow, and then I went to a lake up in North Georgia's. Lake Burton, and it's we've got our, our the Georgia State record Alabama bass spotted bass came from in. It was eight eight pounds two ounce, and okay. uh, they they have trout in that lake. And there's a hatchery trout hatchery actually on the lake that they use for you know they they stock call, all these little streams up in North mm -hmm. They also stock that lake. So with the combination of the trout. And the blueback herring that's been introduced in there. These spotted bass just get really big. So I went up there and I was catching those fish. Oh, there's one more bait I was going to show you. All right. I kept this thing for a secret. <laughs> well, here you go, guys. Some juice. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I'm not told a buddy of mine, you know, here and there, but uh. I sat on this thing until I, I fish with a dugout bait tackle. I'm on their team, 
And I was talking to Jamie Coza, who owns owns a place, and I, I said, hey, you need to get these uh, jackal deer scoops in. And he said, okay. He said, well, you're going to have to uh, spill beans, you know, to, you know, get them, get the word out so people will buy them. I said, okay. That was one of the hardest things I ever, <laughs> thought I ever did. I did a YouTube video last year and uh, throwing this thing. So they come in a half ounce. This, this is it. All it is is a souped up uh, little George, is what I say. Okay. Japanese yeah. Old little George. And this one's a half ounce. And then three. They got three quarter, and then they got a one ounce. Okay. And uh, I'm going to tell you, John, this thing's powerful. <laughs> they eat. They eat it. And, and it's a, I mean, it's, like I said, I've spent on like two and a half years. I caught so many. And big fish. It's a little bitty bait. I mean, you get an eight pounder, you know, with this little, little thing in its lip. You know, that, that was what. At, uh, but it's a jackal deer coop, and uh, I throw a, the same deal with the weight as with the wobblehead, you know, 30 to 40, one ounce, 20 to, you know, 18 to 30, uh, three quarter, and anything shallower than that, half ounce. Okay. And I throw it with my crankbait rod. And, uh, okay. That's just throw it out there past the school. Let it sink to the bottom. I give it one pop and start reeling. You can feel the little blade spinning on it. And, uh, you can throw it so far. Uh, so probably twice during the retrieve, I'll let it drop to the bottom just to see how you know if the bottom's tapering deeper or you know just to see how close. Close to the bottom I was, and then I'll pick it back up and try to keep it at that same around. I'd say two feet, you know, one to two feet off the bottom. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you pull that thing through a school. Hey. Um, so that that was the uh, yeah, I love that. I love that bait, man. Well, that's cool. That that I, I've seen those before, and and uh, like I've seen them on the Japanese sites before, and um, uh, I, I I think I might even have some some cheap knockoffs of those. But they're yeah, the they, ones I have are pretty small. But right, yeah. Damiki um, makes one. Actually, I've, I've caught fish on that. Uh, it's got like a, uh, a modified willow leaf on it. It's a really fat willow leaf blade. And I've caught fish on that, but I think 13 has got a tail spinner now. There's a lot of, but that was, that one right there was, uh, I keep going. I, about three years ago, I ordered every one of them I saw on Tiger Warehouse. I just try them out. That's a, to me, that's the best one. Okay. It's, uh, well, cool. I, I definitely will try that out too. Cause I, I th like there's spots where I think that would be money, you know, just from what uh, yeah. I've seen, you know, similar baits that I've thrown that, you know, 
seem to do okay, you know. And uh, buddy, uh, he he fishes bass boat club tournaments around here, and uh, him and his wife team up on it. And uh, I told him about. It. He's like, "What do you catch those big big old fish on?" I told him, "I said, Jack, Jack will carry two." And uh, I said, "Get some." So he got them, and he he's not. He don't like fishing deep water, you know. When he gets, he's gonna fish when it's warm. Well, he won a tournament over on Gunnersville, throwing that half ounce one, ripping it out of the grass in the springtime. So okay, we've got a tournament coming up, Bass Nation, uh, two weeks I think from now on Gunnersville, and uh, you know everybody's throwing crap, you know, throwing a, a lipless over there. I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna try that one in it too, just to see. Yeah, it might just be, you know, enough of a difference that, you know, if they've seen the lipless for, you know, three days of practice and all of a sudden you come in with one of those, something they haven't seen, I could see where that'd be good. So maybe, maybe nobody, that, maybe there's not anybody fishing that tournament's going to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think it'll, it'll probably work. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, this will air this Monday or actually tomorrow. So, Hopefully, uh, not too many people get clued into it, but you know, we'll right. see what happens. So, but yeah, when I when I go out, uh, I, I'll have a drop shot rod on my boat, crankbait rod with the uh, with Derek Coop on it, Alabama rig rod with that uh, uh scrounger, uh, scrounger. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got another crankbait rod that I throw my spoon on, a little little heavier. As a matter of fact, it's a seven. It's four throwing it's like really big crankbaits. That's what I throw spoon on. And then I spin rod with uh, for small swim baits. And I'll have that oak shear on there. Or I'll have a, just a Picasso makes a tungsten ball head jig. And I'll put a three, three, three contact on there. Mm -hmm. that's, that'll, I mean, that's the most simple bait in the world. And it's dead. Um, just a, a small swim bait. So cool. Well, I, I definitely, yeah, I uh, yeah, electronics. Uh, just go out, see. Even a small lake, you know, just if if you are confident on on one lake, that's the one you need to spend the most time on because I'll tell you. What you see on that lake is going to transfer to Shreveport, Louisiana. I, knowing what a roadbed looks like here that I saw on my electronic, I went to Shreveport for a national championship a few years ago, which is, and I was fishing a, a, a lake that would have the least amount of cypress trees in it because I'm not familiar with that. And I found a daggum roadbed out there in the middle of the lake in an old bridge. And it was absolutely covered up with fish. Caught, I caught a 23 and a half on day one off that thing. Wow. But anyway, just get back to that. Find a lake you're familiar with, you're, that you're confident with. Get out there with electronics. electronics. Go around look, looking at, you know, observe bait. Uh, look for those fish that's going to be close in the general area. It will transfer over to just about any lake you go to fish. And, uh, and just and go with your gut on that. Then. I mean, 
I think that's confidence think, is key. Yeah, I was just gonna say if, if anything that gives you confidence and if you can build that confidence and yeah and be super confident in what you're seeing is is what you're seeing exactly and know, know for sure you know yes i found the fish now it's just a matter of figuring out what they want to eat yeah yeah it all depends on that little sucker down there on the bottom that's got the a head the size of an english <laughs> pea i mean a brain the size of a pea if he's wanting to play that day. Yep. That's key. Yep. Well, Jim, thank you again so much. That's a ton of great information. And for, uh, you know, I, hopefully that will give folks some, um, some confidence in a, in a time of year when confidence is key, because it, it isn't super easy fishing at times and, and, you know, knowing, you know, what to look for and, and then, you know, different options, to, to throw at them is super helpful. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's my pleasure. I wanted to give you a, a chance to uh, shout out where folks can find you and also any sponsors that you wanted to, to list as well. I okay, knew uh, got, I see a lot of your stuff on dugout bait and tackle. So I knew you were big with those yeah, guys. Yeah. So um, Facebook, Jim Ware, um, Instagram, and I've even got a little TikTok deal. Um, awesome. I've put some, but uh, it's all fishing. Anything, anything <laughs> stupid. But, uh, <laughs> and then my my uh, YouTube page is all river goat kayak fishing. Uh, uh, little short story with that river goat. I was gonna I was gonna be have a god service about six or eight years ago, and uh, so I named it river goat, and and uh, that was that's where that came from. But I'm no longer a guy. It lasted about a year. And, and I had absolutely I had zero customers. customers. Nobody wanted to pay. They want to go fishing. They didn't want to pay. But uh, so that's where you can find me on social media. Okay. Uh, dugout bait tackle. Uh, that's. I say Eastern Mississippi River. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been west and uh, hadn't been north too far, but. Uh, you can't go wrong. That, that they rig kayak rigging uh, to the max. I mean, hemp, hemp guys, um, If you've seen on their social media some of the rigs that they rigged out, it's it's amazing. And Jamie Coza and uh, the crew down there know exactly what they're doing, and they'll take care of you. They got lots of connections, and, and uh, you know they'll they'll take care of you. You buy something from them, it's it's uh, they're in it with you. If you have problems, they're gonna get it fixed. Um, uh, Jackson Kayak, I'm on um, with them, and uh, that Blue Skies, uh, the most stable thing I've been on. Uh, I've, I've been in a lot of different kayaks, and I've been doing this for a long time, uh, and, and that thing is. It's, it's my favorite so far. Um, but so Jackson Kayak, uh, Tasso Lures, so, uh, they make a great, a lot of great baits. And uh, matter of fact, they're, the factory is right there in Pennsylvania. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of the town. It's, uh, yeah, I can't remember the name of the town. It's between Pittsburgh and I was. I went to a tournament on 
at Prescott Bay uh, several years ago, and uh, it was between Pittsburgh and Erie. Okay. Halfway. Yeah. Up, up in that area. Okay. There's some Int- lake up there. It's got a really big largemouth in it uh, that, that they guys with Picasso fishing. But anyway, Picasso is a, is a great bait. Uh, Shimano and G. Loomis. So that that's about it. I, I'm just having fun. That's you know, I ain't gonna make a living doing this stuff, but man, it's so much fun. I hear you, man. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what keeps us just coming back for more. Uh, yeah. and why we do what we do and love to talk about it and go out and fish, and you know, definitely what keeps me going for sure. All right, Jim. Well, thanks again so much. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you, all those tips and techniques spilling us the uh, the juice on the jackal. Um, uh, <laughs> that because that that's going to be fun to try the Derricoop. So I look forward to giving that a try, uh, guys. I'm going to make sure and I list uh, all of the baits that we talked about tonight and all uh, Jim's uh, social media, uh, uh, Jim's social media and his uh, sponsors too. So if you're interested in checking any of that out, just uh, uh, scroll down in the show notes, whether you're finding us on Facebook or YouTube, they should be, the notes should be there with links and everything to, uh, all, you know, all the things we've mentioned tonight. So make sure you, uh, hop on there and check that out. Uh, Jim, again, thanks again so much for coming on and, uh, appreciate, uh, all the, the info and I uh, look forward to having you back again sometime. All right. Okay. Yeah. It was my pleasure, man. Uh, enjoy right, man. No problem. Well, guys, this has been another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the uh, Paddle and Fin podcast, where we bring you the trips that <laughs> I messed it up, the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a good night. See ya. See ya. Where's my closer? I lost my closer video. <laughs> we'll cut that part out. <laughs> yeah.